Hello, my name is Keith Dent, and I am the host of Black Men Speak, a podcast that highlights ordinary black men doing extraordinary things. When it comes to famous black male comedians, we think of Richard, Eddie, Kevin Hart, and the great Dave Chappelle. Hopefully soon, we can add another person to the list, Eugene. My guest today is Eugene T. Barnes, a stand-up comedian that knew early on in his life that he could entertain people and make them laugh. He's been able to parlay that into a budding career, a great marriage and family, a social justice organization, and an up-and-coming screenplay that's drawing rave reviews. On today's show, we will talk about all of that and why he thought he was better suited for a leading man than a comedian. But before we get to that, we'll hear a part of one of his acts. Yeah, man. I personally prefer my women natural. Y'all not going to clap? Okay. I just, thought, I just thought it's a lot of natural people in here. Y'all might want to clap. They still didn't clap. It's fine. Don't clap now. It's too late. You missed it. <laughs> you missed the window. Um, but natural women, y'all got to be careful, too. Y'all got to be careful. This this big chop thing. Y'all know what that is? The big chop. We black people. You know what the big chop is? Oh, no, he don't. He lying. He want to be included. <laughs> he want to be included. He lying. It's when you go natural and you have to cut off. You cut off all your hair. So you look like this. Like you look, you cut off all your hair, then you start back naturally. Cut the perm out. I understand the big chop. I get it. I know it's necessary. I'm just saying, warn somebody first. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, okay? My wife is natural. Y'all see her. She did the big chop. She just, she didn't tell me. She just came home. Like everything was normal. <laughs> she walked in the door like, hey, babe, how you doing? I'm like, yo, dude, how you get in here? <laughs> I start yelling at the kids like, I told you to open the door for strangers. Who is, who is this man in my house? I got real nervous. She like, babe, it's me. I'm like, oh, thank God. Because <laughs> I enjoyed the kiss a little bit too much. <laughs> you might have been right all these years. I don't know. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Eugene. Oh, my goodness. That is funny. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Hey, hey bro. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to uh, the Black Men Speak podcast live stream. How you doing? I'm good, sir. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Uh, <laughs> found that clip. I do not even look like that anymore. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I did a big chop of my own. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Well, you, know, you did the cheap pet grow. You know what I mean? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> and yeah, when, yeah. So what? Because I think you pretty much kept your hair close most of the time. So what made you decide to, to yeah. go? You know, you got the quaff there, as you can see. You know, yeah. I can't do it anymore. So <laughs> I get envious of anyone that's. Able you know what? Wonderful hair. Yeah, like the most I've ever had was I had a little high top that you know was about like that that long. That was the most longest it's been in a long, long time. And then uh, really, man, it was the pandemic, and I uh, I was shooting a couple of things where I had like the mini fro. I was just kind of just letting it go a little bit. Was planning on cutting it, but then I had to wait until those things got done. You know, until they wrapped before I could cut it, and then before they before everything wrapped, pandemic hit. And so I just kept growing it out. Um, and then I'm doing it while I can because, you know, <laughs> a lot of people my age are just, yeah, they don't got it no more. So I know, right? Yeah, because yeah, not only you got the the hair, you also got the nice little beard going too. I'm trying, man. It's, it's, I, use, I use filler. I'm going to be for real with you. It's, it's a little <laughs> patchy, but I, you know, I do what I got to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, I know we're, we'll be laughing a lot, but. Let's um, talk about you know how this how this got started. I know you grew up in Florida, so there's always a trajectory of, of comedians. So yeah. you know how how were you as a kid? Oh man, as a kid. First off, I gotta uh, thank you for that introduction because you mentioned some of the greats and then put my name behind it. So that was oh like, absolutely. Like, oh, okay. Come on now, you gotta hey. speak it into existence. You know, like, all right? I'm coming <laughs> next. I'm next. <laughs> So yeah, uh, as a kid, man, I just grew up a uh, little bitty town, Lakeland, Florida. Uh, it's not, it's not so little, but you know, it's not Tampa or Orlando. Um, so little bitty town, man. Every most most people quiet. Um, I started uh, like doing what I do. I found comedy and that I like to be in front of people, like at church. I would just be in church plays and things like that. And my family was just wild by like, where is he getting this, you know, like spunk from? Because they're all quiet, shy. I mean, every oh, okay. aunt, every uncle, I'm like the the only one. 
<laughs> a one of a handful, you know, but not very many. And so I started there and then um, going on through school, did school plays. I always found myself in theater. And it's kind of just like the only thing I ever really been good at. Never a sports guy. Uh, people always would assume I could play basketball. I was tall, skinny, and black. <laughs> they picked me first, and then I sucked. I was like, "Well, I didn't tell you that I was that I was good. You just assumed." So, and then uh, in middle school, uh, it was sixth grade. Was getting in some trouble. Um, just class, typical class clown, like typical comedian story. Like I was that kid, always okay. getting attention, like cracking jokes. And you know, even when I couldn't play sports, I'd be on the sidelines just making people miss like shots. That was your that was your defense. That was my defense. You know what I mean? So uh middle school, getting in trouble. We had a brand new teacher. And um I decided at the time I had a, a pretty good English accent. So I I fooled this teacher into thinking I was from England for half a year, half a school year. Like, and every time I would speak, kids were laughing and then end up like they get in trouble because she thought they were picking on me. But they're laughing because I'm fooling her, you know. And so when she found out, she she didn't get mad. Uh, she uh, took me to her mother who worked at the school at the time as the drama teacher. And so from there, I got put into drama. And that teacher, her name is Mrs. Uh, Mrs. D. Zoyer. We are still like family today. She really she was the one to show me that, hey, like you could use this. You can really like you could this could be a career. And so from there, I, you know took off. And then um, after after high school, didn't really know what I was going to do. Hadn't applied to any colleges. Was never really a student. <laughs> you know what I mean? I always, <laughs> always looked like I was, but I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> wow. You fool, you're just fooling people all over the place. All over the place. I look smart, but I'm not, Keith. Um, <laughs> so didn't really, hadn't applied to any colleges, didn't know what I was going to do. And then that teacher, uh, my drama teacher, eighth grade drama teacher, was still in touch with me. Got, let me know about this audition and that was happening in Orlando for the uh, acting school that I ended up moving to New York for. So I went over, just did the audition, got in on the spot and flew to New York all by myself. That was my first time even on a plane. Wow. And I tell you, I'm small town. Yeah. So I just came up with bags by myself. My parents couldn't afford to come. So they just sent me. And uh, yeah, man, there's a whole story with that. I pull up to the dorm of the school and I tell him my name. Hey, I'm Eugene Barnes. I got my bags on the curb. I first time in a New York City cab. So I'm horrified from the way they're whipping around and, and driving. And uh, I talk to the guy. Hey, my name is Eugene Barnes. They look they're like we don't have you here. At that oh. moment, the cab sped off. My bags, <laughs> on, my bags are on the street. <laughs> and they don't know who I am, no idea. Oh, and like, man. Who, who, who have you been working with? They asked me. I gave them the guy's name who I had been dealing with. They're like, oh, he does this. So apparently this guy just gets people to New York and doesn't communicate with anybody get, else. Get out of like, here. Yeah. and But they, they hooked me up. Did you think you had a scholarship and everything else? Yeah, there was a scholarship involved. There was every, every, all that kind of stuff was in place. It was just the dorm situation. Gotcha. Okay. They, right. They didn't know who I was. I didn't have a room, anything like that. So nowhere to stay. Just got to New York from a small town where chickens ran around in my front yard. And they put me in a room, this little single room, just big enough for like the bed, one window facing a brick wall. I had no reception. I couldn't even call home the first night. And so, but they gave me a room. So I got reception next morning when I got to school, called my mom. She was relieved. And that's like how I got to New York. That's how my journey started, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. I know you're like, oh, I'm ready to turn turn around. You ready to go. <laughs> I was so, I was ready to, I, like, I, I don't want to do this. This is not it. So, yeah. So you got in basically for drama. Is that right? For drama, yeah. So um, it was a uh, film, acting for film school. So for okay. Specifically, yeah, to get into like movies, television. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, and that school was New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts. So, That's right. That's right. Um, so, when did comedy actually come into play? Oh, man. Comedy, uh, comedy was always there. Um, okay. Not necessarily stand up, but comedy was always there. Okay. Uh, even when I uh, realized that, oh, I could do this, but the first show to inspire me was uh, Martin and his show. And like I would imitate his characters. And oh, like, oh, you man, would? Okay. Yeah, like pretend to be Mama and Shanae. <laughs> like, I could do this. You know what I mean? That so that the comedy was always there. And then even Keith in school, I went in thinking, okay, I'm gonna be a leading man. Like this is it. I'm I'm Will Smith. I'm Denzel. I put me on. You know what I mean? Every time I tried to be serious in any type of role, people ended up laughing. <laughs> like like wow. 
I'm like, I'm like, I'm a thespian and they're like, <laughs> no matter what the subject material was like, so I'm like, all right, there's gotta be something to this. And then the desire, I always was big on improv, did a lot of improv. There was improv classes at the school. I was always like chosen to be in those and be in the shows that came on for improv and comedy. Um, this desire for stand up was always there, but I was horrified. Because it's, it's different than anything. Improv, you make up on the spot, but you still right. have a team. You have a support system. You know what I mean? There's somebody to pick it up if you drop it. Stand up, it's you and the mic. If it's going bad, it's nobody else to look at. So That's interesting. I did, I'm did. i glad you mentioned that because I didn't know that. Because I know, um, yeah. oh, what's his name? Wayne, Wayne Brady. Brady. You know, he, that was, yeah. So that was an improv show because he had yep. people. If, if there was some way he was faltering, his right. other could pick up where you in stand up is just you yeah. by yourself. It's just you. And even improv, you know, you get suggestions from the audiences. So there's different stuff to pull on. Stand up okay. is you from top to bottom. If it's going well, you get all the glory. If you're bombing, you get all the blame. So that horrified me. So I just carried around a notebook for a few years, wrote everything down, never got on stage. One time I just decided I'm going to do it. My wife was my girlfriend at the time. She went with me to my very first mic. And um, I got up at the mic, New York Comedy Club in the city. And uh, like did a great job, crushed it at the mic. Like they're like, this is your first time? No, people are not believing it. You know, the more seasoned comics or whatever. And from there, I think I got the big head because about two months straight after that, I bombed. Like, oh. Yeah. So I bombed after that for like months. I'm like, what is this? Why can't I figure it out? I think I just got a little ahead of myself, but then I finally got it and it, you know, it turned around and I've been a uh, full-time stand-up comedian um now for about six years so well, so, yeah, so your first gig was new york comedy club yeah and i obviously it went it went great mm -hmm. do you remember how you started how did you get the people going and I, i'm gathering normally there's a and I've, of course i've never done i couldn't tell a joke even if you gave it to me <laughs> so um <laughs> I've, I've heard comedians talk about whether you know they test out material so yeah there's usually some you know, I guess there's a beginning of how they, you know, the flow. So right. how did you start actually your first set? Yeah. So my first set, man, I don't never necessarily remember how I started. I was writing for a while. I could tell you uh, the first one joke I remember from that set. It was a joke. I was comparing uh, Jesus to 50 Cent. Um, <laughs> how, uh, like people think 50 Cent was a gangster because he got, you know, shot a bunch of times or whatever. And I compare him to how, you know, what Jesus went through on the cross. I'm like, well, that's a real gangster. And it was something like, you know, I could see 50 Cent after the first lash getting down. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this ain't for me, you know? So that okay. was like, and then all the, all those more seasoned comics in the room was like, well, that's, that's a bold bit. But like your first time, you're talking about Jesus being crucified on the cross. Like, right. So they were like, you know, you got guts, basically. And so I, to me, I was just telling the joke. That's what I thought of. That's what I went up and said. And so that, that was one of the first jokes I did. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. And so and did you decide to do clean comedy from the from the, the yeah. jump? Uh, me and the clean comedy, it's it, it's a uh, it's been a journey. Um, I never okay. really considered myself to be a clean comedian. OK, Um, I was just doing me like you know like in life in life i don't like i don't curse or or whatever like that you know what i mean like i'm the guy i will literally like stub my toe at three in the morning i'm like oh shoot <laughs> that's just always how you know i've been so i was okay. just me. i was never intentionally trying to go out and be like oh i'm i'm clean you know what i mean right. but i did i did always respect like it's, it's it makes stuff a little bit harder it's easier. It's easy to go up and drop an f bomb so you know get the laugh when you don't okay. have thought in, in that place. You know what I mean? But you have to because I don't shy away from any material. I'll talk oh, right. about anything. Okay, you know what I mean? But I believe it's all in the way you do it, the language. You know, mm. so, lot, lots of innuendo and things like that. So I don't shy away from any topics. It to me is mainly the the cursing part. I don't. Right. Right. Yeah. So you have to be um, you have to be well read, you know. So you yeah. say you're not educated, but or weren't as educated, but you you know you got to do a lot of reading to make sure you come up with different words. You Those know? words, what's going to be funny, what's still going to hit, what's not going to sound corny, because I was big on that. Because clean is associated with corny, like automatically, you know. So my goal when I go out is that I'm gonna just do me, and you're not even going to realize that I didn't curse or I wasn't dirty. Person, okay. you know what I mean? Because my like tag, what I like to pitch people is I'm um, clean yet edgy. 
So I believe I have like the the energy of somebody like a like a Eddie Murphy who's okay. there doing his thing, but with the cleanness of a. I hope I can still say this name, Bill Cosby. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I like to put myself somewhere in between with the edge okay. of the Eddie, but with the you know wholesomeness. Of someone yeah, yeah, like yeah. Bill Cosby. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, wholesomeness <laughs> right. in his in his you know routine. Cliff, yes. Cliff Huxtable, <laughs> let's say Cliff Huxtable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so th- yeah, that's so that's interesting to because then you said you hit kind of a rough patch for mm-hmm. a couple of months. Why do you think that happened? I'd love to yeah. hear that part. Keith, honestly, I think um, it was a mixture of me feeling myself from the first okay. time because stand up will humble you because you know immediately when you're doing bad. Like the audience is not forgiving. And I stand up is the only art form where when people find out that's what you do, they automatically go on the defense. Like, oh, you're funny. Show, show <laughs> me, you know? And so yeah, right? I, hit, I hit that and like I just wasn't ready for it. And then I can definitely say in the beginning, I was putting on who I thought I needed to be. It took a couple of years for me to really be me on stage. I had this idea of watching like Eddie Murphy oh, and okay. know, Martin Lawrence. They were the cool dudes on stage. You know what I mean? So I had to I had to do that. I was trying to be cool and smooth. And it took a few years for me to be like, and it was people close to me telling me like, like people were laughing at me like after I got over the hump, but they're like, that's not, you need to be like the Eugene I you. conversation. Yeah, like that's not you. And so it took a while to, that's the art of stand-up, getting to that in front of people. It's really a oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad you asked that because you know I watched the. So do you felt you were you at at the the Carolines? Because I watched that yeah. and checked that out, and so yeah. I was like, oh, it. Not that it seems strange, but I know one, it was Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it wasn't probably the normal audience that might have been mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. at the event. So were you you at that time? Had you already perfected? Yeah, I think there I was me. I think the major difference was, like I told you, I was trying to be cool at first and trying to be okay. laid back. If you notice that Caroline's clip, I yell a lot. I'm all over the stage. And oh, like yeah, yeah. that that's the excited Eugene. When I'm telling you a story and I really want you to hear it, I get hype. And it took a while for me to let that out on stage. You know okay. what I mean? Just to, yeah, really get in people's faces because I, like, I, my energy gives an edge even though my material might not be so edgy, you know what I mean? So it took a while for me to let that edge out. And I think in that clip, that was, that was me. Okay. That's great. Fantastic. So you mentioned a little bit earlier Mm -hmm. uh, that your girlfriend at the time, Mm -hmm. uh, Bernadette, uh, also was at the, you know, was also at the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts. So I'd love to hear about, well, how did you meet? And so did you, and did you have to use, your comedy to kind of get over or was it just kind of a natural thing yeah uh, let me see okay so we met first through like mutual friends um she did not like me she did not think that i was funny <laughs> entertaining oh really nothing like that yeah <laughs> nothing like that so uh yeah we met through these mutual friends um and then yeah first like i said she she didn't like me and i didn't really like i guess notice her at first it took some of the mutual friends pointing out like oh she's cute like you know what's going on with y'all i'm like oh she is kind of cute ain't she and then from there you know got some interest or whatever um but then like after once we got over that it kind of happened pretty naturally we became friends first we were friends for about uh like friends for like two years then dated for two and then we got married. So, um, yeah. So once it happened, it happened fairly click quickly. But yeah, she did not. Nah, she wasn't feeling. Wow. So she, you know, and were you were you trying to use comedy or just being natural? I, I don't know what's going on up in here in the yeah, yeah. in the spot. You know, you just hear this noise going. On. I mean, goodness gracious. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, I think I think initially I was just being me. And then okay. once I noticed once she let a guard down, then I started getting some comedy in there. And then, yeah, we would just sit around, you know, laughing or whatever. And then, you know, she put me in the friend zone for a couple. Then people started to, you know, classmates, like, well, what's going on with y'all? We were always together. You know what I mean? And we were one of the only, one of the handful of two, you know, black folks in the school. You know, okay. Oh, okay. Right. So that too. So they automatically assume. And she would be quick to be like, no, no, that's my friend. He, he, he's like my brother. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I got friends on. And then, uh, you know, we just kept kept going. 
And then um, eventually uh, she actually called called me out. She was like, I know you like me. I'm like, well, what? Like, what? How are you? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. She was she's, she's the boss, huh? She's not playing. She was like, I know what's up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so then um, after that, I'm like, all right. Well, then a couple of days passed. I tried, I tried to address it. She gave me the like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, what? So, <laughs> so we went on like that. And then we finally like started dating. And then, yeah, from there. It was it was downhill. Uphill. Oh, okay. <laughs> so now, um, you know, you've and you've been married how long now? We've been married uh, thirteen years. It'll be fourteen, 13 in February. Yeah. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. February, yeah, twenty going on twenty. Well, I was like going on, but it was our twenty five year anniversary last okay. last week. So congratulations! Well, yeah, All thank right. you, yeah. thank you. So goals, goals. Yeah. So you're the you're the father of two girls. Two girls and a boy now. And a boy now. Yeah. Oh, you did. You got three. Yeah, you did the trifecta. Well, yeah. so you say you don't curse. Nah, you got the boy now. Those yeah. words will be added very, very soon. <laughs> Sorry, very soon. <laughs> so <laughs> I've come close with him. I got yeah. See already. So you call me. You gonna call me a couple years later and be like, "Yeah, Keith, I'm not clean comedy no more." <laughs> <laughs> the boy did it. Uh, you know. So, um, so what has it been like being a dad? Oh man, being a dad, it's really, it's going to be cliche, but it's like the most challenging, rewarding thing ever. So like my background, just where I came from, you know, just how I grew up and everything, it was very much like disciplinarian like these are the rules, this is what you're going to do. You know what I mean? And so I had this idea in my head when I had kids how I was going to go, you know, and then with uh, with my first one, they all taught me something and like, you know, had changed me in some way, each one okay. of them in a different way. So with my first one, very, uh, very mild mannered and everything. And then, um, you know, like sweet, just very, just a good baby. I think God sets it up like that. So you have more and then you get to switch a roof when you, when you have. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I came in, you know, military style, like she's going to listen. She's going to obey us. And da, 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 da. and you know, I was a little, I was a little hard on her kids because especially how she came about, we had been married for three years when we had the first baby, but I was, I was 24 and I still just, I just wasn't ready. Mm. And so like if the part of it was that part on my end, like I don't want a baby right now, but I got this baby. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, I had to uh, like come to a point. I kind of treated her like a responsibility at first, as opposed to like family, you know? Mm, yeah, okay. I did. So I went through that. And then they, um, she was still maybe like almost like one or something like that. And um, younger, but yeah, almost one. And uh, her and her mom went back to uh, Maryland, where uh, my wife is from, to visit family. And I stayed here uh, for work or something like that. And it was then that like she they were gone and I missed her. Like I missed the baby. And it was then it was like hit like so clear. Like I heard her guy, like, you know, she's not just responsibility, like that's your family. And so that was like the first like level of me softening. And that's how, you know, that, that's what she contributed like to okay. me, to changing me. You know what I mean? And then with the second one, I tried the military stuff and like pfft, forget about it. Didn't that work. little girl. Yeah, it's like free spirit on her own. She's going to tell you how she feels. And I had to really like rethink my outlook on parenting with her because she really needed like stuff explained, you know, and I came from the mind school because, you know, the old school whack, because I said something. <laughs> right. And, right. Right. And, that, just, that, just and that does not work. That does not work anymore. Isn't that, a, isn't that amazing how, and I, I was going to say, wow, you, you saying, cause I mean, I'm a little bit old, a little bit older. Yeah. Uh, and but you still had that same I still yeah parenting style. What you thought you had to bring to mm -hmm. family, and you know, yeah. Likewise, yep. you know, it's like you come in, it's like, look, it's my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. Um, I am the I am the dad. I mm -hmm. when I speak, you listen, like E. F. Hutton, and that yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, did not work. Especially like I said, especially with that second one. So she really taught me, like, okay, I had to open up communicate and just you know sometime at the time when she was acting up she just needed a hug and I, and you know it was like little stuff like that that I just had to shift and make those adjustments you know and then with this boy oh man so my wife tells me I am 
alpha male. Um, that's what she said. And I've come <laughs> to realize, like, I don't like other men in my space. Like, <laughs> so, and it's like, who is this dude? You know, I don't know. How old is he? He's He just turned one. He just turned okay. one. Yeah. But I'm talking about from birth, Keith. I was like, who is this guy? I don't like him. You know <laughs> So, so, you know, we, 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 we're getting there. We're getting there. Oh really man, man. So also do, just during the research, I found the story, the baby daddy story, mm-hmm. which I thought was the most hilarious thing I've ever heard. Uh, so for our listeners, just yeah. tell the baby daddy story yeah. and, and then, then give me a little bit of context, yeah. just how you felt mm-hmm. with yep. that. Yeah. So uh, that actually, that was inspired by uh, my oldest, my oldest. She was about five at the time. She's 10 now. So that was about five years ago when I started telling telling that bit. Because uh, it, it was a true story. Like, I, most of it was a true story. I added, of course. But uh, yeah, yeah. the initial bit, like, actually happened. Tucking her in one night, getting ready for bed. I just looked at her. Very, very sweet moment. Just, I said, good night, baby girl. Very simple. Very sweet moment. My baby girl looked me back in my face and she said, good night, baby daddy. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. She tried to flip it. She tried to flip it. I'm like, no, 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 don't. That's not how that works. Don't call me that. Okay. Don't call nobody that. Like ever, okay. And that part of the bit, like, was true, actually happened. And then from there, I sat down to think about it. Well, how can I expand this? So I added this bit, and it's not, it's not necessarily the truth. But um, I go on to say, like, she still calls me that. And like, do you know what it's like for your ten-year-old to be running around Target, screaming? Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen my baby daddy? <laughs> Has anybody <laughs> seen my baby daddy? So yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. But even when she said that, did you? Did you feel a certain way when she started, when she used that? Because, you know, or did you just think because you said baby girl, she just added the baby part to it? Yeah, I didn't take it. Honestly, I think the the comedian in me was more active in that moment than the father in me. Okay, (laughs) okay. I was just thinking like, oh, I got to write this down. (laughs) (laughs) This is is gold right here. Sure is, right. You know? And so, yeah, so I think definitely the comedian in me took over. Um, But then, you know, the... uh, the father, and especially the black father, is like always there, and you know, and I—that's kind of like my my message and what I want to represent. Right. Just you know, a present black father when I'm on stage is why I tell those type of stories. Like, hey, I'm right. here with my kids, you know. This and yeah, you were trying to flip it. So did did right. the audience kind of get get that message? Yeah. You're like, I don't know if they came up after you, but did they right. did they really get what you were trying to say? Yeah, I think I think I have never run into a problem with that joke translating. I do it in the club, I, clubs. I do it in churches. I do it in corporate events. It translates. It's it's it boils down to just a story about a dad and his daughter and how she tries how to innocently flip something, mm-hmm. you know. And so yeah. yeah, I think I think it's it's a pretty universal story. I've done it in front of international crowds. Everybody is that's like my that's my joke. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think people relate to it and get it. Yeah, yeah I mean, and it's just fascinating to some degree because only a black comedian could mm. really tell that joke. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, it wouldn't have the same. From, sting. It wouldn't have not, It wouldn't have the same effect, you know, yeah. from the other side. So, yeah, yep. which is quite um, mm. interesting. And so, never thought about. Um, that. Yeah, right. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. So. So then you so you just then you decided to kind of create this organization with your wife called Woke Entertainment, which yep. focuses on kind of the social justice for the arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what and I think that's kind of initially how we met because you were you were in a pitch competition mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, for rise for Rising Tide Capital. Shout out to Rising Tide uh, Capital, uh, located in Jersey City. Um, and so, what made you what made you decide that you wanted to branch out and create? this organization yeah so uh it's uh woke empowerment woke empowerment oh yeah, yeah. woke empowerment did i say woke entertainment yeah yeah yeah, yeah woke <laughs> empowerment sorry so yeah. woke empowerment is actually uh the brainchild of bernadette so okay. uh, yeah she brought the idea to me like hey i want to you know do this I was, it was it was during the time of uh like trayvon martin okay and when all that you know when everything first like spiraled into like it seemed like something was happening every other week 
So we were like, you know, in that time she came to me and was like, I have this idea for this organization. You know, I want to do something. I think this is something we could do. And so I'm like, okay, okay. And so at the time she was uh, a student at Hudson County Community College. So uh, she worked closely with the uh, student affairs department. And so she went to the head of that department, told her her idea, and they gave us the opportunity to put on our first event there oh, okay. at the college. Yeah. And so uh, just to give you guys some background on what Woke Empowerment is, it's an arts organization and we explore social justice through the arts. So we throw social justice themed events. Past event themes have been things like anti-gun violence, women's rights, uh, LGBTQ rights, things like that. Um, anti-gun violence, of course, that was our very first topic, anti-gun violence. And then, um, so we bring in different artists of all types, poets, mu musicians, singers, dancers, comedians, and these artists have a connection to whatever our topic is. Like for gun violence, a couple of artists have been victims of gun violence themselves, mm -hmm. lost family members to gun violence, or just otherwise advocated, you know, in that space. And so they perform, and then uh, we open up the floor to Q&A for the audience, to for them to talk about their experience, for the audience to share their experience, the, the uh, artists do the same thing. And then what we've added in recent years is uh, having a presence of like influence or power. So we've had different councilmen and councilwomen, um, governors, Ooh. things like that, local oh, school wow. board leaders, okay. right? So they're able to sit in here directly from the, the demographic that they're serving, you know? And so it's been, it's been really powerful. Um, and that's that's kind of how Woken Problem was born, just out of like, you know, my wife's concern of, out of what was going on. And then we've been, even been able to pivot in the more recent cases of gun violence, specifically against black black people mm -hmm. um, and do virtual events, first virtual just open forums and things like that. So, OK, that's your open mic. Your right. Open mic events. Yeah. OK. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so. what has been the impact? What has been the kind of the impact so far? Of that, oh, it's been um, it's been really healing, like is what we've experienced, just giving people the chance to open up about what's going on. I think sometimes, especially as like, you know, people of color, we our voices can be, you know, suppressed or whatever. But just having that um, that space to be able to just get it out. And then with the addition of, you know, someone who can actually help start the, the process of change in attendance at these events, people have really felt like just heard and, you know, healing is able to take place. And, you know, there was an event that we uh, partnered with, with uh, Hudson Partnership CMO, which is an organization that deals with underprivileged youth um, in Jersey City. Mm -hmm. uh, our very first event on gun violence with them, uh, after the event, we got reached out to by uh, the organizer of that uh, organization. And um, they told us that uh, after our event, like uh, one young man like turned in a gun like, you know, and it was on gun violence. So like he gave up his gun. So it was like, okay, all right, maybe we maybe we got something, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, it's amazing just that one little, how one little event or one little thing that you do and by doing it in a different way can really impact uh, someone. Yeah. Especially young people, because they, they really need those different outlets. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and, and then the safe space in order to hear just different messages. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, there's, you know, the messages can be uh, so similar and, and it almost, they almost get drowned out. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that piece, Keith was, was huge for me because um, even when she brought it, when Bernadette brought the idea to me, it's, I, I always just thought of myself, like, I'm just, I'm a comedian. Like what I'm, what am I going to do in a social justice space? You know what I mean? But then to, to have it work and to get that opportunity to use, you know, what I believe is like my, you know, my gift, that's my thing, you know, to still be able to deliver a message and still, and do it in a funny way. Cause we tackle these things and like, you know, pretty, it gets deep, but a lot of times mm -hmm. it's lighthearted ways, you know, that can just kind of ease people into being able to talk about these really heavy topics. So it's been, it's been rewarding that, that piece. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so with that, I mean, and I didn't think about this. So how is it, working with your spouse in the, in this way, <laughs> you know, um, you know, cause I mean, I, I would assume, and I don't know, but yeah. you're kind of like the MC yeah. uh, usually mm -hmm. or the host. And so, and people know that you're together. So how, how is it working together? Yeah. It's, um, it's good. It's good. First off, um, we have definitely run into challenges though. Just, uh, and I know. Cause you I mean, you probably want to crack jokes all the time. And so she's like, Yo, you know, we, we got to get serious now. 
<laughs> Maybe that's a whole. When I tell you, Keith, that was one of the biggest issues in our in our marriage. Okay, is that just because? Because that's kind of just how we. That's how how our relationship started. Is we were just cracking on each other. Mm. You know what I mean? And then I I didn't know how to turn it off. And then it was a big. So I would say the first like, oh man, had to be like almost half of our marriage was like that. And then she never really expressed how it made her feel, which was not good because she wanted just some serious moments, you know, at times. Oh, wow. And okay. Then, and then when she finally did express it, to me, it was like, well, you changing the game. You're switching stuff up. And then to me, the to me, it was like Eugene and like the stage Eugene T. Barnes were like this. So you're asking me not to be me. And like that, it was a whole thing, Keith. Like we had to like, really, we went to counseling. Like it was like... <laughs> It was like, oh, that. I was gonna say that must have been a come to Jesus moment. It, it definitely was. Wow. And, then, okay. and even in my, in my head, I didn't, I didn't get it. I'm like, well, why? I, to, you're overreacting. Like, why are you acting like this? And then I had to really like come to Jesus. Like, no, her feelings are valid. You have to. I had to pivot and adjust, which was the hardest thing by far I've had to do. <laughs> because, like I said, it felt like you're you're asking me not to be me, who has always been, mm. you know. And so I had to really, really do some like some work <laughs> on me. Okay. It was not an easy process. Yeah. yeah. So do you? So with that, oh wow! Now I got so many questions now. So um, you opened up a whole nother thing. That's not so, even. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I know what I wanted to ask you. Just in general, as you walk throughout the world yeah do you um because you know code switch is a thing that we as black men have to do just in general yeah and so do you find it hard just to switch off on and off or where you need to get serious and and just especially in like comedy and entertainment yeah where, you know you can be pigeonholed into a certain way mm -hmm. and so yeah if you want to bring a different message do you find that challenging in the in like in the just in the world in general, I don't, and okay. I think that's why it was so hard in my marriage because this is the one place I don't have to code switch. I should be able to be, you know what I mean? Right. I am in the world. I'm used to doing that. Here, no, you know what I mean. But it wasn't so much a code switching that she was asking for in the right. marriage. It was just a hey, respect my feelings, <laughs> like you know what I mean, which is like okay, I gotta I gotta do that. You know, so and I think that's why it was such an issue in the marriage because everywhere else I could do it. It wasn't a problem. Right. You know? Well, and, and due to specific environment or different changes are, you know, marriages go through different stages. That they want to see a want to see, you know, now the relationship coach is coming out, but mm -hmm. they want to see a different. They want to know that, OK, when when things get thick, you're not just going to make yeah. a joke out of it. Right. And I was, I could make a joke out of everything, like, and, and be fine to me. I could be cool. Right. And, you know, so I definitely had to get that. And then you bring up a different point. There's different stages. We got married and we got married at 21. Like, oh, we're wow. now in our okay. 30s. Yeah. So we've seen each other change completely. So that adds a whole nother layer. Whole nother layer. You're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Because we truly are, we were different people. And so right. it was that transition that we had to like work through together. And it was, that was not. Not easy. Yeah. So I have another question though. Yeah. So who was the better cracker? Was it you or your wife? <laughs> she, she she's good. She's she's she really good? Okay. funny. She would make me. She would she would rattle me sometimes. I'd be okay. like, I had to think about it and then like come back at it. Yeah. She's good. She's really funny. People don't realize she, she's okay because yeah. you know you could have got you could have gotten your feelings like oh no this ain't gonna work. Listen, <laughs> like, let's switch it up for me for my sake. <laughs> yeah. Oh okay. So um so now kind of fast forwarding kind of to the present. You have you, you just recently wrote a script uh got to a short film called The Come Up. Yep. 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 Um and so I'd love to hear about what is it what is it about and how did you go about um, writing it. Yeah, so uh, the come up, it's a uh, it's a web series actually that we wrote. So we wrote five episodes and um, the idea came from uh, one of my writing partners, uh, Glenn McBride Jr. He's a uh, director uh, based here, based in New York City. Um, and he brought the idea to me and me and him started working on it. And I was like, hey, I know, I know a funny guy who's a great writer. And I brought in my friend, uh, Ryan Roman, who's a comedian, mm -hmm. writer, producer. And so we all three got together, wrote it. And what the come up is, it's a story about uh, two best friends, Theodore, who is my character, 
and uh oh why am I forgetting the other character's name? Theodore and Sydney. Theodore and Sydney. Sydney, who is Glenn's character. So me and Glenn are actually both acting in it as well. Okay. Um, the two leads and uh two best friends. Theodore, my character is a typical like good boy, grew up in the church, is about to get married to his like high school girlfriend, all that. Sydney is the knucklehead, like always getting <laughs> in and out of the streets, you know what I mean? Always got something going on, connected to something shady, like always. And so uh my character is about to propose to his girlfriend, Eleanor. And um, but I'm like, I'm broke and Eleanor comes from money, like money, money. Okay. You know? Right. And so I'm scrambling to get her like I have to get the best ring is what I'm thinking, you know. And so Sydney, my best friend, comes to me with a with a hookup for a ring, gives me this extravagant ring. And we later found out the ring is stolen mm. and it, it goes from there. Goes from there. OK. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the premise. of. of wow. OK. Um. And how long how long did it take to write uh, write the script? And yeah, one thing being a st- stand up, you're used to being solo. So how did it feel to kind of collaborate with someone? Yeah, yeah. On only to the collaboration piece. Um, I've always wanted to write. I have written before, not a muscle I've used a lot, but I have, um, and always wanted to do more of it. I think the collaboration on that piece came very easily because it was a support system. Um, it was something, again, like when I first started stand-up, I always wanted to do, but was a little scared. You know, you put it out there, you don't know how it's going to be received. Can I really do this? But when I sat down with people and like, okay, they're validating my ideas, I'm validating theirs, we're in this together, it really helped to like build up my confidence in that area. So uh, yeah, that was the the writing piece. I think it the collaboration was, was definitely a plus. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, and so then it got, you got nominated for mm-hmm. some awards. Yeah. Um, uh, how many? And, and uh, you know, and did you win any? And so, and then how yeah. did it feel to be nominated yeah. or, you know, to win basically? Yeah. If you so did. to to date, I think we, we have at least been um, accepted into, because, you know, that's just like base level. They pick the scripts and narrow them down. These are the ones we're going to judge. So we've been uh, passed or accepted into, it's got to be about a good 10 right okay. now. Yeah, wow. yeah. We, we've won Best Script for two, uh, both New York-based, I think, film festivals. And then we've been finalists at an L.A. film festival. And uh, we were just accepted into a Las Vegas film festival. So, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's going. And then how did, oh, man, it made me feel like just like I can do this. Totally validate. Like, OK, let's 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 see what we can do. And then this is just a script. We haven't even begun shooting it yet. Um, okay. That's going to happen. Uh, we're looking for summer of next year. We already began casting the parts and location scouting and everything like that. So we're looking to have it shot and then we'll submit, uh, you know, the, the finished product. Oh, OK. And so when you when you win and congratulations, by the way. Thank and you. but when you win, is it some do you win actually something? Or is it more like, OK, it's more of a. It gets in the face of, I guess, people that might be interested in it. That is the biggest reward. That's what you do it for. Just, just to, the buzz that it that it creates. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and just to say like, hey, we're doing this. We're validated. So that time, you know, by the time we shoot, and my friend uh, Glenn, who is like just masterful at this, that's his world. Just the whole mm-hmm. politicking of the entertainment business. So he's great. So he's setting it up where you know where we won this and this with the script. By the time we're ready to pitch the actual, uh, you know, web series. We'll have a backing of look. We've been accepted to these. We've won this, and we'll be able to. It opens a little bit. Open do, opens doors a little bit more easily. You know, when you do have a finished product. So, and then uh, to the tro- there are um, trophies, but entertainment industry, it's all about money. They're shady. They make you pay for the trophy that you want. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, if you want a horse's trophy, you're gonna have to pay for it. Right. Right. <laughs> So we are opting to just, you know, take the buzz. And you not- don't really need it. You know, all you need, yeah. is, as long as you post on social media, you're, you're good. That's it. That's, that's, it. that's big. I mean, you could you could find a picture with a trophy on it. That's it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> trophy shop. Just walk in, take the picture, leave. Right? So then no one be the wiser, you know? Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, all about the buzz. So, yeah, we're just trying to, you know, build it. So, yeah, it's done, like, like really, really well. So I'm, I'm thrilled about it. That's fantastic. Yeah. So a couple more things. What has... um. What has surprised you about this journey so far, you know, from, you know, just as we're talking about from before high school. Yeah. And what's been kind of the biggest 
and I don't want to see disappointment, but what's been yeah. the biggest, I guess, learning experience? So what's yeah. been the biggest joy in the learning experience? Yeah, I mean, like the biggest joy or surprise, I think, is finding out that like, I can actually do this. <laughs> like that part is just, I'm amazed daily because like, you know, I always dreamed about it, you know, when I was a kid, whatever, middle school, high school, like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna get, get moved to New York, I'm gonna do it. And then, you know, I got to New York and like reality like hits you. It's like, you know, I had to have jobs cause I had to pay rent. And then I reached a point where I was like, just working, it, it was either, I was working and I had the money to, to follow my dreams, but I didn't have the time. And I went through cycles with that where I would, okay, I'm quitting my job. I'm going to go out there full time. I had all the time in the world, but I stopped making money because you got, you have to do it for free sometime. You know what I mean? Right. Like at the beginning. And so and I, that, I think that cycle got me to a point in my mind where it's like subconsciously, I did not believe it was possible to like do what I'm doing full time for as long as I have. I, I was going after it like kind of half-heartedly, but in the back of my mind, I didn't want to leave that job because I didn't really believe it. And so to get to this point where I do what I do on a weekly basis, you know, I'm writing things, they're winning awards, I'm, you know, traveling, like even just this, uh, this weekend, uh, what, Friday night, I was in Albany for a show. And okay. then, uh, yeah, just last night I was in New Hampshire for for a show and then i'm doing your podcast now like to just have that kind of weekend of comedy and then honestly keep to make the amount of money that i made in this weekend you know what i mean where i felt like i had to struggle at a job i didn't mm. think that that was possible and that's been the biggest surprise i think and biggest joy as you know every time you get to a step you realize okay i can make the next one you know okay. so that's a constant like joy of just you know moving along through it and then biggest, one of the biggest challenges I've been facing lately is uh, I've been really falling victim to comparison. Just uh, looking oh, at- Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Looking at what like other people have going on, comics that I started with, they're getting they're getting certain things on TV or whatever, you know, and I, I kind of can look at them and, you know, veer off of my lane. And so that's something mm. I'm, I'm working on to just be able to stay focused on what I got going on. Because okay. what I got going on is working and it's good. It's working, you know? yeah, absolutely. There's always like, ooh, that, <laughs> you know? So, where, so who do you feel that you find yourself comparing yourself to? Oh, man. Um, lo local comedians um, that, uh, that I came up with. Okay. Like there, there's people that has have made it to like get uh, spots on Comedy Central and past that oh, like the Comedy Cellar, which is like a huge, you know, the big that's the club in New York City. And so just like little things like that, like people you probably might not know if I mentioned their names, mm -hmm. but in the comedy community, you know, I know, you know that right. we started in the same place. And right. It feels like you're here and I'm still, you know, still right there, you know, but, you know, you just got to have people remind me. That's where it helps to keep a good circle of friends around, you know, your right. wife, your family, where it's like, hey, no, you did this. You're doing this, you know, you're doing so, that. Yeah. Right. And I guess holistically and just yeah. to bring it home. Yep. Holistically, your life may be more balanced. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. yeah so you've chosen yeah. a, a more balanced life whereby you, you know, when you have to do that kind of, Definitely. it's a grind. Definitely. So other things yeah. may suffer. So, yeah. You know, you're I, right. I, I think about that as well. Think yeah. about those things as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I think by the fact that you're doing it this way, yeah. um, it's the way that's for you. Yeah. 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 Key. That's it. Key. Then that's what I have to remember. You put it in perfect terms. That's yeah. that's it. And then when I do look at these people, it's like you see the grind. These people are out here yeah. doing stand up seven nights a week to like three, four, five in the morning. Right. It's like I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So so yeah. So you right. just you just write that on a sign somewhere, and, keep uh, and then look at that when you start thinking of thinking all those comics. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. You're right. Uh, well, this is great. So um, before we get to our last question, um, are you going to be, for the holidays, are you going to be anywhere in the local area where people can come, you know, check you out? Because that's really what it's all about. Seeing you in action. Yeah, well, actually, um, I won't be local for the holidays. I'm actually going to Florida. So I okay. might be uh, at some spots down there. So if you're down there, oh, nice. okay. come and see me. I'll be posting on social media okay. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. So yeah. we'll, we'll just have to wait to 2022. Yeah, um, 2022 yeah. date's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So uh, thank you for this. But I always like to end the show with this question uh, because I think 
a lot of times we're all so focused on what we're doing mm-hmm. and how we're impacting where we don't really focus on our inner feeling. So mm-hmm. uh, I just want love to know, you know, kind of as a, a black man in the world, what's on your mind right now? Hmm. Black man in the world, what's on my mind? Um, obviously just uh, like the future for my kids um, is, is huge and always like weighs on me. Um, and just uh, what's going on right now between, you know, black men, black people in general and, and the police authorities. Like every time I find myself nervous around, I've never been in trouble in my life. Don't have a record, never even, you know, like, like anything. But like, I'm nervous around police officers when they pull up behind me walking or driving, whatever. So, you know, I would like to see like that, that changed um, as a, you know, as a, as a black man for us to keep working towards that and to create just a better place for my, my children. I think that's definitely on my heart, like always. Mm. Yeah. Well, Eugene T. Barnes. Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> I love that T. Because you, you have to stop first, you yes. know. <laughs> yeah, uh, this has been great. Um, I think um, that your journey is fantastic. And uh, I'm really look forward to your script. And hopefully yeah. 2022, we'll meet again at this in December. And we'll be talking about your web series and uh, you know and it's been picked up by netflix we just gonna yeah. speak it out there amazon prime yeah. whatever you know and um and uh we will we'll be able to share some more laughs so love it love uh, it thank you yeah thank you for having me keith appreciate it you're welcome <laughs> all right what a wonderful conversation i had with eugene t barnes truly a funny guy black men speak fans you want to follow this man because he could be the next star And you can always remember when he really took off when you heard him on this podcast. Black Men Speak was written, produced, and edited by me, Keith Dent. If this was your first time listening, thank you for tuning in. And you can subscribe and catch previous episodes on Apple, Spotify, Libsyn, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We like to end our show with a famous quote, and this one comes from Paul Mooney. One of my favorite comics who passed away earlier this year and it goes like this people don't want to hear the truth they never do they want to live in some kind of fantasy and then when they get caught up in it they start being in denial because they don't want to be wrong this is keith dent from black men speak peace